Welcome to Radar Contact, the audio show that teaches pilots how to speak professionally and with confidence to air traffic control. And now, here's your host, airline pilot, author, and host of ATCCommunication.com, Jeff Canarish. Hello from Atlanta, Georgia. It's December 22nd, which means Christmas is just around the corner and Hanukkah just happened. So Merry Christmas or Happy Hanukkah, or if neither of those apply to you, seasonally adjusted greetings. I hope you have a chance to do something this holiday season that makes you happy. You deserve it. And what makes me happy is giving you tips and techniques to make your flying life easier. This week, instead of going deeply into just one subject, let's spread as much holiday cheer as possible by hitting the highlights of a bunch of different subjects. Let's begin with how to pass through Class D, that is, tower-controlled airspace, as part of your cross-country route. You know, some pilots believe they need to fly around Class D airspace as though a tower-controlled airport were some sort of obstacle in their path. This isn't necessary, unless you enjoy burning extra gas for no good reason. If you're flying at or below the ceiling of Class D, you can pass right through it, provided you get the control tower's permission. The process of flying through Class D without landing is called transitioning the airspace. The Aeronautical Information Manual recommends making initial contact with a control tower when you're about 15 miles from the center of the airport. They don't say center of the airport, but that's how I interpret it. But anyways, 15 miles from the airport, get in touch with the control tower and tell them, who you are, where you are, and your intentions. An example would sound like this. Maryville Tower, Skyhawk 9130 Delta. Skyhawk 9130 Delta, Maryville Tower. Skyhawk 9130 Delta, BFR 15 miles north of the airport at 3,500. Request the transition through Class Delta. Skyhawk 9130 Delta, transition approved. Overfly the tower at or above 3,500. Skyhawk 9130 Delta, transition approved, will overfly the tower at or above 3,500. Piece of cake, right? Now, why did the controller tell the pilot to fly directly over the airport tower? In some circumstances, a tower controller will direct you to overfly a specific point on the airport to ensure you remain out of the flow of arriving and departing traffic. ATC frequently uses the airport tower as a landmark to overfly, Uh, because it's easy to spot from the air, and it usually sits somewhere close to the center of the airport. When landing or taking off, airplanes are usually on the runway or near their lowest point in their flight paths when passing by the airport tower. In this example, by having you pass over the tower, ATC is ensuring your flight path will not cross the flight path of arriving or departing aircraft. Overflying a prominent landmark on the airport is not the only way ATC may direct your aircraft during a transition. A controller may have you report passing a landmark some distance from the airport to help him judge how you'll fit into the overall flow of traffic as you transition through his airspace. When you report passing over that landmark, the controller will develop a clearance that lets you pass through the airport pattern without conflict. Don't do what I used to do and fly around Class D airspace to avoid contacting ATC. Flying through the airspace of a tower-controlled airport will save you time and fuel, so just contact the tower for the transition. It's pretty easy. Tower controllers are very used to having aircraft transition their airspace all the time. It's no big deal. 
Just give ATC an early heads up about 15 miles from the center of the airport and you'll be permitted to pass through with no trouble at all. Oh, and one final note. There's no requirement to advise ATC as you exit Class D during your transition. Simply change frequencies. In fact, the AIM says to avoid adding to radio congestion, you should simply change radio frequencies without making a radio call to tower as you exit Class D. As a pilot flying VFR, when are you required to participate in ATC's radar service? Class E? No. Class D? No. And realize I'm talking about participation in a radar service area that may overlap Class D. Even though you are not required to work with ATC's radar service, when you're inside of Class D or in some airspace that overlaps Class D, you are still required to remain in contact with the applicable air traffic control tower and follow all of the tower's instructions while you're inside Class D. Class C, are you required? No. You do need to get in radio contact with the ATC agency providing radar service inside Class C, but though you get in radio contact, you may still refuse radar service you would be directed to contact the air traffic control tower of any Class D airspace inside of Class C if you plan to land or pass through the airspace of that airport, but you're not required to work with the radar controller managing Class C. How about Class B? You are absolutely required to participate in radar service while inside of Class B. In fact, you're not allowed to even enter Class B without the radar controller's permission. How about Class A? It's not a question of whether you're required to participate in ATC's radar service when VFR inside Class A. Unless you obtain special permission from the FAA, you are not allowed to even enter Class A airspace under visual flight rules. I've said it before and I'll say it again. If something ATC says to you does not make sense, do what you need to do to make sense of it. This means asking the controller for clarification. Asking implies that you get on the radio and speak up, not later, right now. Don't waste even a second debating with yourself whether you think the controller has time to answer your question. Don't waste even a second worrying about whether you'll sound like an idiot on the radio even if you have to ask for clarification. Don't waste even a second trying to figure out what the controller meant if you're not sure in the first second. Time will not fix the problem. Simply get on the radio immediately and ask the controller to explain. Asking for a repeat, as in, say again, is not going to work if you didn't understand the meaning of the clearance the first time. Say again only works if you didn't understand because the controller's transmission broke up or was too weak to be readable. So here's an example. Skyhawk 30 Delta, after the Cessna from your right, continue taxiing on taxiway Alpha. You look to your right and see a Cessna 172 approaching on the intersecting taxiway. About 500 feet behind the Cessna 172, you see a Cessna caravan on the same taxiway. 
It's unclear, and trying to figure it out on your own is not going to solve the problem. Ask right now. Ground, Skyhawk 30 Delta, do you want me to pass behind the Cessna 172 or the Cessna Caravan? Skyhawk 30 Delta, let the Cessna 172 go by and then continue on taxiway Alpha. The caravan will wait for you. There, total clarity with one simple question. Have you ever been working with an approach controller in Class C airspace and heard the controller clear another aircraft for the visual approach to the runway? Is that something you can ask the approach controller to do for you, as in, line me up for the runway using radar and then clear me for a visual approach? Nope. A visual approach is an IFR clearance. Put another way, it's an IFR approach clearance that allows a pilot to proceed to a landing using visual contact with the runway or the preceding aircraft. That said, if you're in Class C airspace or in a terminal radar service area, an approach controller may line you up with the runway in the normal course of sequencing you behind other aircraft headed to the same runway. Once lined up and in sequence with other aircraft, the approach controller will leave it up to you to navigate to the runway on your own. No approach clearance will be issued to pilots flying VFR. That's all the holiday goodies I have for you this week. Well, sort of. I have one more. If you're in the market for a radio headset, I have another present waiting for you at atccommunication.com. I've put together a headset buyer's guide that lets you compare what else? Headsets, side by side. The comparison charts in the headset buyer's guide are arranged by price category. So whether you're in the market for a low-cost headset that gets the job done, or you want a premium headset with all the bells and whistles, there's a comparison chart for you. If you want to read more about a particular headset model, I've included links to each model right on the charts. If this is old news for you, here's something new. The last time I talked about the Headset Buyer's Guide, I only had guidance for headsets costing $400 or less. Since then, I've added premium headsets, those costing $500 or more, in their own separate comparison chart. There's also a place to review your own headset if you want to tell others about a headset you really love or really hate. This is a pilot-driven database, so get in there and vent your spleen. Your opinion may help another pilot who's on the fence about a particular headset. Check out the Headset Buyer's Guide now at atccommunication.com. No question of the week this time. I mean, I asked a bunch of questions during the show, so we're just going to let it go this time. But I will be back after the holiday with another radar contact that will include all the high drama and the kick in your brain you've come to expect from Question of the Week. Music for this show was provided by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com on a Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0 license. If you're traveling by air this week to visit friends and family, whether in a commercial aircraft or in your own airplane, I hope you have great weather and an easy flight. And I strongly recommend using VFR flight following service to avoid Santa's sleigh. Most of all, Merry Christmas and Happy New Year from your friend at ATCCommunication.com. <laughs>